Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About Faith. And today we are talking to my favorite pastor, Pastor Kevin Bordeaux. He grew up in a very small town called Turkey, North Carolina. He gave his life to Christ at 19 years old and in 1999 after battling drug and alcohol addiction. He was radically converted and delivered at 20 years old. Pastor Kevin did not start off in the traditional church ministry setting. From 1999 to 2003, he played in a Christian band. He wrote songs, played and managed the band for four years. They recorded four albums and toured for three of the four years. And in 2003, he felt the call to enter a church ministry as a pastor. And this is also the same year he met his wife, Diana. They both attended Emmanuel College. And they were married on May 13, 2006. Kevin earned his Bachelor's of Arts in Christian Ministries with a focus in New Testament Greek in 2007. He earned his Master's of Ministry in Christian Leadership from Southwest Christian University in 2009. And Kevin earned his Doctorate of Philosophy and Theology from Covenant Bible College and Seminary in 2011. Diana earned her Master of Medical Science as a Physician Assistant from Nova Southeastern University. Pastor Kevin has not only served in every role of ministry, but also as a dad. And in his free time, he loves coaching his son Dawson's sports team and promoting healthy living to those around him. Pastor Kevin and Diana have a heart to see people transform by the grace and the power of God. And I'm telling you, this man has a way with words and he can help you understand. And his big ideas um, at each sermon are my absolute favorite part. So Uh, We're going to dive right in and we're going to start talking to Kevin in just a few minutes. Thank you. Hi, my friends. Welcome to Let's Talk About Faith. And today we are talking to my home church pastor, Kevin Bordeaux. Welcome, Pastor Kevin. Hey, I'm glad to be here with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, we have, there's always that, there's always just so much noise around us, right? And lives can be complete chaos. And everywhere we look, you know, there's just like information overload, right? Yeah. And um, one of the things that people wonder, even I do, did I hear God or was it just, was it me? Is it my own mind thinking, right? Yeah. So, um, I wanted to talk to you about hearing the voice of God. So my, my first question is, is a two in one question. It's okay. how do we know God is talking to us? And then how do we know it's not our own wants and desires? Yeah, that's a great question. It's a, a deep question too, as well. So uh, first of all, you know, I think that we have to understand that hearing God is not just in a vacuum. It's not unilateral, but it's, uh, it's, a lot of different, you know, I think filters, you got to filter that through uh, to, to hear God. Right. And to go ahead and fast forward kind of to the end of it, you also can't base if you heard God or not, whether or not it was successful. So you can't say, well, if it didn't go like I wanted it to, did I hear, did I, did I really hear God? Because a lot of times the Apostle Paul didn't have success or didn't see, you know, he had this vision to go to Macedonia and saw God and all, all the team thought it was God. They all went there and he ended up getting beat almost to death. And never made right. it uh, to Macedonia. So fast forward to the end, you can't base your hearing God on results. It has to just be on the fact that you went through all the proper filters and the process. So hearing God's a process. Um, number one, um, I've never heard the voice of God audibly. Some people do. That's good for them. Um, right. I mean, 
impression. I may have a feeling. Um, I may read a scripture and feel something or, you know, have this uh, kind of like, oh, man, I think this may be God. So um, I think, number one, hearing God has to be done with caution. So if somebody feels, and let's start the process. Let's say somebody feels like they've heard God. Now, the first right. thing established is, is it a, is it a Jesus struggle or a sin struggle? So, you know, is it, if somebody's saying, hey, look, I'm going to commit adultery uh, because God wants to be happy and God told me to be with this person and I'm going to, you know, do that, then number one, they've got to go to the scriptures and see what does the scripture say about this, not how do they feel about it. So the first thing is, number one, you know, you have an impression, you feel like God's told you something, then number two, you go to the scriptures. Um, do the scriptures clearly speak about this situation, excuse me, about what I should do? Right. Um, if the answer is yes, then you have your answer. It clearly speaks. Most of the time it doesn't. This It's usually gray areas, uh, especially when it's a Jesus struggle. Should I launch this ministry? Should I take this opportunity? Um, you know, it, it's kind of a struggle of obeying God, not disobeying God, right? So right. That's tough because... You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing a message on Abram uh, for source series coming up, and you know, it's he's he heard God to go and go in faith, and God said He'd bless him. Well, that's not directly always translated to us, but we can look at Abram and say, well, there was a time when God called Abram to go in faith. He didn't have everything figured out. Right. So now you've moved, moved to the second step. You've looked at Scripture. Um, you see that God sometimes may have spoken that way to someone, but you can't stop there uh, because, again, the, writ, the scriptures are written for us, not to us. OK, right. Right. So, yeah. So the next filter is community. Uh, and I think in community, you have to look, do I have spiritual mentors that can speak to my situation? Can they help me decipher what I've thought I've heard? Maybe some scriptures I've seen. And they know me and they can tell me no or tell me I'm stupid because they have no skin in the game. So I look to mentors first in biblical community. Everyone should have a spiritual mentor. The second part of community are those around you, peers. Um, most people look to peers first. The problem with peers are many times our peers will give us confirmation bias. You know, I feel God told me to leave my husband. And then I read that Abram said, you know, that the Abram left his family and said, I should leave mine. Then you find a, a peer person who says, yeah, you should just leave. And yeah, that's other person. Oh, yeah. That, you know, you should just. Yeah. And so confirmation bias and people then get into really bad situations. Right. So right. you've got to have I have a few peers around me. Um, one of them is the super encourager and he's going to want to pray and hear God. But he's also very encouraging about taking the next step. Then I have a friend I call truth in a bottle. He is very straightforward and he will just put, just ring me. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, I then begin to see the situation as clear or stupid. Okay. This will be a stupid decision. So, <laughs> um, you have those people and then you have people under you. And here's how God will use those people that you actually mentor. Um, sometimes they will just be, you'll be in conversation and they'll just say things. You're like, wow, I, I think God just spoke to them and they have no idea what I'm going through what I'm facing. Um, and then I think that the, the final part of all that is not only do you have scripture and you have uh, community, but I think it, it's the history. Uh, it's, it's reason. It's logic. It's kind of like John Wesley's quadrilateral. Well, then you just go through like, okay, historically, when people have made this type of move, let me look and see if they've done this type of this endeavor, what was the success rate? Those right. 
failed, what did they do? Those who succeeded, what did they do? You start looking at really logic and reason because God gave us logic and reason, um, you know, for, for a reason. So if 100 people have attempted something and only one has succeeded and we're going into it, we just need to realize, okay, I feel like the Lord's called me to this, but it's a very high, high failure rate. Um, so how do I make the success rate greater? Of, and so let me study that one person who made it. Um, so I think when you're hearing God, again, it's not just in a vacuum. It's not God told me. It's a process that many people are not willing to go through to ensure that, that they heard God um, there. So that's kind of what I do if I, if I think I've heard God on something. And then I just tell, and then I just tell God, hey, Lord, I, 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 think I, I think you impressed this in my heart. So if it's you, um, it's on you. You're going to bring it to pass. I don't need to jockey for position and push doors open and try to go make it happen. Um, I'm going to walk in step with the spirit. It's going to be a dance and you're going to lead the way with it. So that's kind of, I think in a nutshell, I know, I know it's kind of a quick way, but that's how I believe the best way to hear God to really ensure we've heard God. That's, that's really good because, you know, especially the, like what you said, it's when, when people are saying, I heard God tell me, um, I need to leave well, wait a second. Does the scripture say that? So you're so right about taking that, the steps because, and, and especially with going to scripture first, I think that was, that was, that was the way it's the way it's supposed to be. Right. Because then we go to our peers because, and I think the danger of a, is making sure we have the right peers, right. The right spiritual mentors, because then there's people that are always going to say, no, no, that's not, that's not God. You're, you know what I mean? There, there's always those people that are going to have like the negative, negative people or that never want to see you succeed. So it's always, yeah, important to then also have the right people, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, How do you, would you respond to someone that says that God doesn't, God doesn't talk to me. He never answers my prayers. Yeah. Um, I think number one, I want to ask them, um, do they read the scriptures? Because I, I think, and I say this all the time, you know, with preaching, don't just read the Bible, let the Bible read you. Um, meaning that when you read the scriptures, it's the Lord is always speaking. It's, it's really, are we listening? Especially as you read the scriptures, again, they weren't written to us, they were written for us. And in that, the Holy Spirit inspires the scriptures for us as we read them, for God to speak directly to us to either call us, to comfort us or correct us. And so all scripture was given for that. You know, as God, um, you know, Paul said to Timothy. So I think if somebody says number one, they're probably not, they're not really reading the scriptures and letting the Holy Spirit speak to them specifically um, as they read the scriptures. And it's more of a task. Number two, God never answers my prayers. Well, I wonder what type of prayers they're praying. Um, and the prayers may be for promotions, for you know, for, for God to, you know, to help me with diabetes, but, but I won't quit, it, quit eating donuts. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, if people who say that, and, or, you know, um, you know they, they um, are in a really bad relationship and the spouse is unresponsive to God, to them, and maybe even abusive. And they're saying, well, why won't God change that person? Well, God, we're not robots. God's not just going to change someone. Um, people have to make, you know, um, decisions. And so I see people all the time who will, you know, reach out to me about that and say those things. And the truth of the matter is, are, are you praying the very things that God is really deeply concerned about in, in humanity and through scripture? And usually it's not a biblical, 
Christ-centered prayer life. It's more of a me-focused, self-centered, what can I get? God bless me. God help me. Um, and then they're also, right. and those, those very people are partnering with God for his kingdom. Um, you know, I have a saying that if you take care of God's kingdom, he'll take care of your castle. But many times we say, yeah. God will take care of my castle, but we're never putting his kingdom first. And Jesus yeah. said, you put my kingdom first and you seek me, then listen, you will have all of these things added unto you. Oh, that's so powerful. That's so good. And it's so true because that comes with making sure that you're maybe let me let me let me say that again because as you know i i went through a divorce yeah and you know you that was something that i i prayed so much about but there was you know i always wanted him to come to jesus i wanted him to come to especially after everything that happened to him mm-hmm. here i'm thinking but when it was my my poor choice for even getting into that yeah but then also recognizing god heard my prayer he heard my prayer i chose not to listen to him because when he showed me in the beginning who he was before we even got married i prayed lord show me or give you know help me make the right choice well when he showed me blatantly the right the, the right thing wow. i i just was like Oh no, that's not, that's, uh, you're wrong. I, I, that, that can't possibly be. It's, you know, I mean, he opened every single door for me to walk away before we even got married and I never did it. You know what I mean? So when, when people say God doesn't talk to me or he doesn't hear me or sometimes really, are we not listening? Yes. Because I, I prayed fervently. I mean, I'm telling you. But when the answer came, I didn't like it, and I didn't want it. That's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and for you to even admit that, because a lot of people don't admit that. I mean, I see all the time when you know, we're mad at God because we're in a really bad relationship or, you know, or, or the divorce happened, and so there, sometimes there's, there's uh, kids that are caught in between, and they're really mad at God, and God's like, yeah, I kind of like never told you to do it. And then number two, I— with all wisdom and everybody else told you not to do it. And I think we all have done that. Um, we just yeah. admit it. So the very fact that you're admitting that it just shows how, you know, humility and, um, and the ability to be led by the Lord, I think. Well, uh, you know, I, and I think the reason I, I say that, and I, and I'm very open and transparent about that because when, when people say to me, um, God doesn't talk to me, God doesn't hear what I'm asking or, you know, that always leads me back to that because you know, and, and I'll tell you what, and when I, and after he got better and we were, you know, you're there and, and life is trying, we're trying to get life back to normal. Yeah. It, it eventually went back to who he was, right. Yeah. He was in the very beginning, like that tragedy never. And then also the redemptive power of God's healing still didn't change him. Yeah. And so when you're there and, and then and the same thing happens again, you're like, okay, God, well, you know what? Um, I Now all I'm asking for, I'm not asking you to show me. I'm not asking for any of that. Now I'm just humbly asking you to give me the strength to go yeah. and stay gone. Yes. Because that 
at that point, I've or and I and I remember having this conversation in the closet because that's where I would go in the closet, yeah. and I would always change in there, and that's where I had my conversations with God. And I was in the closet, and I had just found out um, again what He was doing, and I walked in the closet, and I and I kind of just laughed, and, and I said, "God, all I all I want is for You to give me the strength." to walk out the door and then never come back. Like, help me to stay gone. Like, give me the strength that I need because I ignored you before. You gave me all the outs in the world and I never took them. You gave me my answers. I never listened. Um, And now I'm not asking for, I'm not asking for those things. Now, please just give me the strength. And I'll tell you, I, you know, it wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't like that. It was just like, I felt the Holy spirit just give me the peace I needed at that point. Yes. Because, you know, it may, like you said, it's not always audible, but there's something in, in so powerful about the Holy spirit saying, you know what else? It's, it's okay. You got this. I'm, you're not by yourself. You've got your family. You've got your church family. You've got all these people around you who love you and want the best for you and realize you're, it's okay. You're, you're going to be okay. That's exactly right. Yes. And, and, it, and, and I think people too, and you're probably uh, someone who's a mercy, a gift, gift of mercy in scripture. Um, you have a big heart to care for people and things of that nature. And the very thing that God gives us with in the spirit um, we can also, it's almost like a spectrum. We can, we can operate in the flesh with that. So right. and I think sometimes we stay in people who have the gift of mercy and they really care for people and they, all that, that, that very care and mercy can turn into codependency, scared to leave. Um, I need to help them. We end up enabling this yeah. too long. I um, mean, you're right. Uh, we need permission and courage from the Holy spirit to break things. Um, and again, I can go through all the different gifts and spectrum. Um, that's just a powerful, you know, what you shared is amazing, but yeah, you had to really have God to release you and give you power to, to step out and you've seen them provide. You've seen the, the power. Oh, of yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it has been, it, when you hear, when you are following and you're, and like you said, you're making him, the, you're making him the, the king of your house. I mean, you know what I'm saying? This is, he is going to provide for my castle because I've made him like how you said it. I, I don't remember exactly how you said it. And I didn't write it down, darn. but it, it's so true because when I made him the center and mm-hmm. said, well, back in 2018, I had decided at that point, I'm not going to ride the fence. I'm done riding the fence. Yeah. I'm going to full on do whatever. Um, I'm going to follow God no matter what. I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to stop riding the fence. I'm going to, and I'm telling you what, it was like an overnight. I mean, to stop cussing, that was big because that was something that I struggled with. But I'll tell you what, all of a sudden I felt like it was gone. Like I literally said, God, I don't want to, I'm going to follow you. I'm done with this. And it was like, I just dropped the baggage, but I also, I also then realized the codependency factor of, of my nature because here I am praying, Oh God, you know, show me the right partner. 
show me, you know, help me um, not get another divorce. Well, you know, he's divorce number three. Obviously, something's really wrong with my perspective of love, right? And so finding then saying, God, you are the only person. You are the one that I love. Your love is necessary to help me move forward. It's not that 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 I need a physical person right now. I, I need you to, I need, I need that. I need that to fill my life. And, you know, we don't realize that. And you said it was so perfect what you said about codependency because having the heart of mercy really does then on the opposite side makes you, yeah, I, I was very codependent. And that's something that I very, I struggle with. Um, I have really worked on that. And now I'm in a, a healthy relationship and I'm thinking, this is the way it was supposed to be the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what? I, I'm 51 years old. I guess I got it. You know what? I finally got it right is what I always say. Oh, so this is what it's like to have a man who loves God more than he loves me. Yeah. Wow. This is, this is what life is supposed to be like. Like, oh man, Lord, when we pray together and we, and we talk about things, this is, this is God really hearing my prayer and talking and saying, you know what, Elsa, you, it took you forever, but you finally like got out of your own way and got it right. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> because we don't think about that. We're just like, Oh, I, I don't think we always want to hear. Like, I think that just takes me back to the first thing is we just don't always want to hear, but, um, and, and when it comes to relationships, you know, let me say this, because you made a big point, you know, of the idea of sanctification, that you really begin to sanctify yourself into the Lord. And the problem is we often want someone, you, you attract who you are. If we were right. talking about it, um, we often want someone who is not who we are. Uh, right. and, you know, and, and I think, you know, we, we want a man or woman of God or somebody who's whatever driven or successful or you know, got their stuff together, but then we're not willing to become that person to attract them. And I think, you know, you're in the place you are today, though, because you said, I'm going to become the type of person I want to be with. Because uh, right. to be honest with you, you know, if somebody's always going to the club to pick up someone or that's, that's, that's where they keep finding people, I mean, they're not going to find an A-plus person if they're looking in those places and if they're not becoming an A-plus person. Right. So, um, you know, you become you know, who you want to attract in life. And so right. I think that's a very key point that you made as well. Is you, you just made that sanctif sanctifying choice. Right. Well, it was just, it was like, it, it's either now or never, right? It's, it's I'm like, I'm not going to keep dancing around God. I can't do that anymore because, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't just keep doing that in life. Like, I think you have to make a decision. You want, we want God to hear our prayers, but yet we don't want to do the work to become one with him we don't want to read the scripture we don't want to have those habits um and, and make those part of our life because a five second prayer is is just asking god for everything that i want but i don't want to we don't want to do our part to make sure that we're tithing that we're becoming part of his community that we're becoming part of his kingdom because yeah. all we want to do is just ask right and and get the answer and then be done with it okay thanks god i'm out yeah good, good. Consumers, not co-laborers. And in the New Testament, we're called co-laborers with Christ, not consumers. Right. Wow. We're called cons... Wait, i got to write that one down. We're 
all co-laborers. Uh, you know, Paul says, my, my fellow co-laborers in Christ. I mean, that's what we are. And so we, we are really, we're heirs of Christ and co-laborers. But many times we're just, we treat it, treat it as a consumer. And we view God as a butler, as the heavenly butler. We ring the bell, God to come answer, give us what we need, and then to go away and do his thing so we can do our thing. And, um, oh, that's good. Yeah, and, and, and that's just not, that's ne you're never going to see any consistent answered prayer and all that because good God, you know, again, he's our Lord, he's, he's our king, um, he's our sovereign king, and we have to submit to him and be under his rule. That word Lord means curios, it's, in the Greek is curios, it's master. And so I, I, I think many times we want to be the master, and we think God exists to serve us instead of us existing to serve God, which is a total, you know, uh, upside-down way of thinking. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, how do we handle if we hear him? But it scares us. Like if we hear something. Okay, I'll give you an example. Yeah. My, um, when I felt God calling uh, me to do the prison ministry yeah. or to, to help women, um, what had happened is I was doing that farm to table over in, with Virginia State. Where yeah. we were just helping kids, you know, helping them pick the vegetables, teaching them how to cook the vegetables. And we saw, I saw a lot of the, the mothers come to yeah. pick up their kids and there was no, um, uh, like they were excited to see their parents, the little kids were, and their parents were just like, come on, dude, let's go. And, you know, it was just, I, I felt so torn. I felt so awful. Like, how do you help these women? Um, feed their kids and how do you help them like out of this situation like how do you do that and I remember just going home and praying about it like Lord, what do, how do I supposed to help them we could give them money all day but that's not going to help them right how do you change their cycle and I just kept praying about them and I kept like it just moved my heart like how do we help them find work how do we help them out of addiction how do because I mean they were riddled with meth and um addiction and um here you've got a child suffering because their parent made a poor choice and decided that they wanted to um do drugs over their child you yeah. know that was the most important thing so um i remember going home and just praying about it and asking god to show me like how do i how do i help them like what is it that i can do to help these people and in it, it then it started you know just keep talking to people just Keep reading scripture, keep, keep, just talk to people. And I talked to Jody um, Rogers and we were talking about it because we were planning a baby shower for her daughter, Austin. And we never even talked about the, about figuring out a way to do a foundation, to do a ministry. And in here lies now restoring new ministries. And, yeah. but, you know, I have to tell you, I sat on that for about a year and a half because yeah. I wasn't. I, it scared me. I wasn't sure. I'm like, wait, I don't know anything about a prison ministry. I don't know anything about helping women overcome addiction. How, what do you, how do we handle, how, what would you say to somebody that says, Hey, I've, I've got this. This is what I feel God said to me. And now it scares me to death. I don't think, I don't know what to do. How do I handle that? Yeah, no, I actually, and you gotta realize this, we say, you know, we kind of just take these, these phrases like, God has given me a spirit of, of, um, of faith and not fear, and he doesn't give you a spirit of fear. But 
you know, Paul was speaking to Timothy about just sharing the gospel in, in a pagan culture. He wasn't speaking about the, 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 um, the fear itself. I think sometimes we over we overrate fear as being sinful. But you have to understand something. There was a study done with these monkeys, and the monkeys had uh, a few monkeys that were full of anxiety. And every time there'd be a twig snap or something outside their little camp, these little monkeys would go, rah, 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 and go crazy. And right. but 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 actually, what happened was they were more on guard. So they actually the the whole you know group of monkeys were safer. When they removed those monkeys who had that anxiety. Um, that group of monkeys died within three months because they were killed by predators um, there because they didn't have those oh. monkeys who had the anxiety that actually kept, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, every little twig, it kind of got a little annoying, but, but they were able to actually help the whole group. Um, I think when God calls you to something, if there's not a fearfulness or a caution or a, a pause to sit down and have to kind of like, okay, man, this, you know, this, this is bigger than me. Um, it's going to require me to move, require this and that. If, if that's not kind of in the cards and, and you're just boldly, like blindly and naively running towards something, um, then you're probably, you need that little bit of anxiety and edge to keep you humble, to keep you to be a, a learner. Because again, right. you need to learn how to do this. Um, you know, um, again, Jesus grew in wisdom. God didn't just you know, give him all the knowledge and wisdom of the world. He had to go to, to you know, learn, learn like every other little Jewish boy and girl. He learned the Torah the same way they did um, in school. And I think when God calls us to something, we just think we're just going to you know, blindly, that's faith. I'll just blindly jump out and not care. And that's actually presumption. presumption. Because what did Satan tell Jesus? He said, hey, look, just jump off of here. If you're really the son of God, just do it. God will catch you. God's got you. Have faith, not fear. And um, right. that's a very dangerous type of mindset. Um, when we begin to make these overgeneralization of statements and blanket statements, I think when God calls you to something, you should be very cautious. You should run it through the proper filters. You should be a learner. I believe if God calls you to something, you should become an expert in it. Right. Put, like just learn, learn, grow, podcast, listen. I mean, that's what I do. I mean, you know, kind of the place I'm at in ministry, that's all I, I mean, I've just, I would go and get VHSs back in the day at school about church growth that nobody was getting from the library. They had dust all over them. Nobody ever rented them out from the library. And right. uh, I just thought, if God's called me to plant churches and grow churches and reach people for Jesus, I better become an expert at it. So, right. uh, so I think, yeah, there, if, if you are scared and fearful, I mean, it's, that's actually probably God speaking. If you're you know, naive and you know, you're going to boldly do it, nobody's going to stop you and God's got this and, uh, probably a lot of presumption in there. Those people usually fail miserably. Again, I've seen a lot of ministry failures, a lot. And it right. usually is preceded with that. Now, you, you had said earlier that you um, teach a lot, right? You you go to churches and say, I've, I've watched you, like, because I'm in Florida and not over there. But you're, um, you go to different churches and you guys thrive as a um, you sponsor a lot of churches, right? Yeah, well, well, uh, you know, uh, two things I do. I have a few other jobs. I'm a content writer for like Salem Web um, on the internet, which is churchstaffing.com and different, you know, websites that they have. So, so I do content writing, but I do two other things too. I actually work with a consultant team and we work with, uh, you know, hundreds and thousands of churches around America and, and we help them, you know, figure out how to really reach people and things like that. And then um, then Thrive does a lot to help pastors, but we also, Thrive really wants to plant churches and so and sponsor churches. And so we do a lot. 
I personally coach pastors and work with, you know, churches and then we have a big heart for planting and sponsoring churches. Um, but I kind of serve on a consultant team and do that for helping churches get out of the ditch and, and get, really get into a place of, of health and no pun intended to thrive. <laughs> that is awesome. I just love that. Um, if you could leave us with three words of wisdom, what would they be? Um, three individual words or just some? Like three, just three thoughts. I shouldn't say words. Three, three thoughts. thoughts. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Oh, you know, hearing God is a process. Do the hard work and go through the process. Don't shortcut it. Um, find people to tell you uh, that can tell you no in your life. That can tell you you're an idiot. This would be a very dumb decision. Um, and I think, again, Scripture is the way God speaks primarily. And the Holy Spirit will illuminate and speak through the Scripture. So you, you know, again, have that. Those people who can tell you no. Go through the process. Do the hard work, and then really let the Scripture speak to you in your life. That's really good. I just, I love that we have, I know we had some technical difficulties earlier, but I'm so thankful that we had the chance to connect and thank God for Bucky's in Daytona. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're taking over Florida, man. Bucky's we went down there, there's something else. We, uh, uh, yeah, we, we attempted to stop at one. My wife went in, it was so packed. She come running right back out and said, let's get, let's, let's go find the, the nearest uh, 7-Eleven. I think I like that. <laughs> it's just it's like a, my Bucky's is like a mall. Yeah, yeah it's overwhelming. Like I walked into, I walked into one um, last time we were traveling, and um, I think it was last month. And we walked in. I think it was the one in St. Augustine. Yeah. And um, because on the way out, like on the way to Georgia, you're gonna have two on 95. So for us, we've got Daytona Beach, St. Augustine, and then um, then there's more, but. For us, those are the two Florida ones right now. And I walked on the one in St. Augustine. And I'll tell you what, Kevin, I thought, uh, this is Walmart at Christmas. Yes. I, I like, turned around. I looked at Jimmy, and I'm like, I don't, I, I just got to go to the bathroom. And I, I walked to the bathroom. I came back out, and I'm looking for him. And he's hiding behind a rat trying to scare me. And I'm like, no, I like started having a panic attack. I'm like, where are you, Jimmy? And I'm like, hey, where are you? And he peeks around the corner and I'm like, let's just go. We have to get out of here. I don't I don't think yeah. I can handle this place right now. Jeez. My Louise. wife is the same way. Oh, 100%. Oh, it was horrible. But we love Bucky's. We love going to Bucky's. We always buy um, a couple sandwiches from in there and it's always really great. But that one that day was out of control. It was too much. So I... um thank you so much for spending um, some time with us today. I'm, I'm super thankful. We always, I always pray for thrive. I just love you guys. I always tell people they're forever. My home church. Um, you like, you're so special to me. You're truly what helped me out of a, a really hard time in my life. So I'm so thankful for thrive and everything you guys have always been for me. I'm, I'm very thankful for you. Oh, thank you so much. And we're grateful for you. You, you, you were just such an encouragement while you were there. At Thrive and me serving on our first impressions team, you just lit the place up uh, with <laughs> greeting and then the groups and stuff you did. So, yeah, we definitely miss you. But again, I love that technology can keep us connected. Oh, absolutely. 
Well, I, I thank you again. We love you. And um, thank you for being on Let's Talk About Faith with us today. Right. We love you too. And, and praying God's best for, for you and for everything you're doing. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. All right. We'll see you. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. Stop by our Instagram page or our Facebook page to say hi and let me know where you're from. If you need prayer or you want to share your story, I would love to talk to you. So until the next time, I hope you all stay well, stay blessed, and remember to be kind. Bye.